Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Good morning, Oak Hill Church. Happy Palm Sunday to everybody. Uh, We're glad you're here to worship with us online. Uh, If you're kind of new with us, we're finishing up a series called The Extraordinary Opportunity, and today we're looking at our opportunity to find real peace. And that's kind of fitting because uh, the palm branch is a symbol of celebration and victory and peace. And so today we're gonna be looking at this familiar story of Jesus uh, coming in to Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and how we can have true and lasting peace. You know, when God created the world, it was characterized by shalom. That's the Hebrew word for peace. And yet it didn't take long before sin entered the world and broke shalom. And now we see the, uh, the aftermath and the effects of sin and how we, we look at our world today and even this time in our lives today and we see how broken our world really is. Uh, and now is a time of uncertainty and chaos and we look around and just the, uh, the coronavirus and, and how it's taken its toll upon uh, this nation and all over the world and we're living in this unsettling time. It's kind of shaken us in many different ways. In one sense, uh, we're kind of fearful. In another sense, we're kind of um, angry at times. In another sense, we're just kind of weary. Um, I don't know about you, but even going to the Dollar General store and seeing blue tape on the floor, six feet apart, and I know we have to do that to love our neighbor, but it just seems strange. And we go to places like Hy-Vee and we got this plexiglass shield kind of in front of us. We just can't even uh, relate the way that we're used to. And I don't know about you, but I I felt more of the weightiness of everything this past week and how um, I just can't fix it, right? Uh, There's nothing we can do. There's no uh, quick formula. There's no, you know, silver bullet uh, in order for this to stop and get back to quote unquote normal. And so I wonder if if God in this time has used the coronavirus to really expose us and the gods that we worship. You know, early on, it may have been just the God of sports and we wanted to watch, you know, March Madness and uh, maybe it's the restaurants, you know, we miss going out to eat. Uh, Maybe it's just a hectic, uh, busy pace and all the activities that we became accustomed to and now we don't have that schedule anymore. And yet, as as time has wore on, I wonder if it's even deeper than that. I don't know about you, but I feel like God has exposed in me this this obsession with control. I I so want control over my surroundings and the things that I'm familiar with. This desire for comfort, right? It's been kind of stripped away from us, a new normal. And even this, this longing for security, and yet we, we, can't, we can't look to government to help us with that. We can't find uh, peace through media or even the economy. Uh, we, we gotta find it outside of this world. And I think right now today, uh, all of us in this world, we, we long for, 
for shalom. We, we long for peace deep inside of our hearts. And yet we know that this peace can't be found in the things of this world. Uh, Jesus said this to us in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And so we know that, that peace can't be found in our circumstances, in our possessions, in our normal lifestyle. Peace can only be found in the person of Jesus. It says in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. So Jesus is the only pathway to peace. And so today we're gonna to look at this story and how Jesus is, is riding in on a donkey, uh, proclaiming himself to be the Messiah and bringing in peace, real and lasting peace. Many of you are familiar with the story and, and Jesus' triumphal entry, but I'm, I'm wondering if you knew that the city of Jerusalem at that time typically was populated by about 40,000 people. And yet during the time of Passover, uh, the population swelled up to six times that number. So hundreds and thousands of people were gathered together in a time of celebration, in a time of anticipation for the Jewish Passover. And yet this was also a volatile situation. You see, the Romans had control over the Jewish people, and they were just waiting, and they were watching to see if there might be an uprising among the people. And so it's in that context when Jesus rides in on a donkey, proclaiming himself to be the king, the long-awaited Messiah, and he was marching all the way to the cross for you and for me. And so we wanna look at the story kind of in three different scenes. So almost think of it like, like a movie. Uh, the first scene is Jesus riding on a donkey. Secondly, uh, Jesus confusing nearly everybody. And then thirdly, Jesus uh, sobbing over a city. So those are the three scenes. We're just gonna walk through them one at a time. Let's start with Jesus riding on a donkey. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might wanna turn to Matthew. That's the first book in the New Testament. Or you can just look up here on the screen and back at me. So Matthew chapter 21. Here's the word of God. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. And so we see here in this story, Jesus riding in on a donkey. And prior to this, he's directed his disciples to go and get this specific donkey that had never been ridden before. And all of this shows his complete control over the situation. Jesus riding in on this donkey and, and kind of arranging all of the details in order for him to make progress toward his destination, and that would be the cross. Jesus is showing that he has power and control and all authority and sovereignty uh, to arrange all of the story to get to his specific destination. And so he chooses this donkey and the disciples go and get it for him. Notice it says here in verse three, if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them. So he's, he's proclaiming, him, proclaiming himself to be the Lord. He is Lord over all. 
He's in complete control. He has absolute authority and sovereignty over this situation. He's directing everything toward his final outcome. We also see that not only do we see his complete control in that he's arranging uh, this donkey, but he's also fulfilling the prophecy long ago in Zechariah. Matthew 21, 4 says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so we see that Jesus is, is merely walking into what's been recorded in Scripture hundreds of years ago in the book of Zechariah. He's now fulfilling the prophecy by coming into this crowded and chaotic city on the back of a donkey. He's coming with humility and, and authority. And he's coming to say, I'm the king, I'm the Lord, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for. I'm the fulfillment of this scripture and I'm in complete control all the way to the cross. Now, we, we've got to um, come to grips with Jesus' complete control over our lives. In a time like this, in a time of uncertainty, in a time of chaos, sometimes we want the control, right? And the way that manifests itself is, is how we are given to worry and how we're given to anxiety. Underneath our worries, underneath our anxiety, is this desire for control. We're basically telling Jesus, we're basically telling God, you're not running the universe like I want you to. You're not doing a very good job, so I think you need my help, my assistance. And so I'm gonna worry about this and get all anxious about this because I'm not sure if you're gonna work everything out the way I want it to. And so we gotta be careful and, and realize that in times of, of, of shaking, we often can get anxious and worried and we've got to submit to Jesus as the one who's in complete control of our lives. We can't think that we're running our lives or driving our lives by ourselves. I was reminded of, of when I was a kid, maybe some of you, uh, went to Adventureland as a kid, and I don't know if you guys remember, uh, there, were the, there was this ride, um, I think it was kind of this vintage, authentic kind of cars that uh, you could go on as a kid. And I, I remember this uh, when I was just a little guy, and, and my dad was seated next to me, and I thought, this was the coolest thing, I get to actually drive this car. Or so I thought. Because underneath it all, right, were these tracks, and, and, and as I was somewhat driving, underneath it all, the, 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 the rails were keeping me on track, right? And my dad was right there to make sure that I was steering in the right direction. And it made me think of how sometimes in life, we think we're driving the car. We think we're the ones that are in complete control of our lives, and yet underneath it all is God's sovereign hand. And he's steering us in the way that we should go toward the destination that he has for our lives. And so we've got to be willing to, to submit to his good uh, control over our lives. But it's, it's not just that Jesus had complete control in the situation as he's coming in riding on a donkey. He was also coming to bring peace. In Zechariah, in this prophecy, he goes on to say these words, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. 
And the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea. And so here's Jesus uh, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, coming in on a donkey, not only in complete control, but also bringing in peace. This was a picture of, of peace as he rode in with humility on the back of this donkey. And notice what the prophecy says. I will cut off all the chariots. I'm not gonna need chariots to bring about this peace. I'm gonna not need the war horse. I'm, I'm on the back of a donkey. And, and the battle bow, I won't need any weapons in order to advance my kingdom. No, I'm going to speak peace. I'm gonna declare peace to the nations and my rule will be from sea to sea. And so listen. In Jesus's triumphal entry, coming in this way was fulfilling the scripture in saying, I'm not coming the way you thought I was gonna come. I'm not coming to bring political power. No, I'm coming with, with spiritual peace. I'm coming in to usher in a salvation, not, not of this nation, but of your heart that needs to be saved from your sin. And so Jesus is coming in with, with peace and we need this long-lasting, abiding peace, this objective peace with God in order to be saved, to be reconciled to Him. Now the problem is so many of us, we pursue peace in the wrong places. We pursue comfort in the wrong places. And I think this time in our lives right now, God is revealing to us the places we're going to to find peace. And He's testing us. I heard this uh, story, it was by Tim Keller. He, he shares this story, this illustration of how a lumberjack uh, comes into these, these grove of trees and he's going to cut down, chop down all these trees in the next couple weeks. And then he sees up in a tree high above a mama bird about ready to build its nest uh, for its soon uh, eggs and babies to be born. And so he notices the mama bird and he's, he's like, I. I know that if, if in the next couple days uh, she stays there and builds that nest, it's gonna be coming down. I'm gonna be chopping that tree down. And so what he did is he started to just rattle and, and kind of bring in his ax just a little bit and strike the tree so that the mama bird would fly away. And it did, it flew away to another tree. And so he had to do, do the same thing again, just struck that tree, rattled it some, and so it flew away to another tree. So he did the same thing. Finally, the mama bird flew into this, this rocky cleft where it made her nest, where she made her nest. And what a, what a good picture for us to be reminded that in our lives right now, um, every tree of this world is not going to last it won't last. If we try to find our refuge, if we try to find our peace anywhere other than the rock of Jesus Christ, it's gonna be coming down. It's gonna be torn down in our lives. And so we've got to hide ourselves in the cleft of the rock as the, as the hymn writer says. We've got to find our peace in Jesus alone. And that's why Jesus came. He came to speak peace to the nations, to offer us real abiding peace. And so as we look at the story again, Jesus is riding on a donkey in complete control. He's bringing peace. Secondly, Jesus is confusing nearly everybody as he does so. And so in Matthew's gospel, he goes on to say, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
And so as he's coming in um, on this donkey, these disciples, these Galilean pilgrims are gathered together and they begin to throw their cloaks on the ground. Now that was, that was a symbolic gesture to show their submission to this king. They were excited, this is the Messiah, and so in submission they're throwing their cloaks on the ground. And then they got their, their palm branches and they were waving their branches in the air and they were putting them on the ground and this was a symbolic gesture to show celebration, victory, and peace. And so these disciples were excited. In fact, Matthew goes on to say, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna. Sometimes we remember that at Palm Sunday. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now this word Hosanna means save us now. You're the Messiah. We see that you've come to save us, so save us. And now, I don't think they understood the full implications of what they were crying out. Perhaps some of these disciples were still misunderstanding the reason for why Jesus came. Was it to rescue them from the Romans or was it to rescue them from their sin and bring ultimately salvation of their souls? And yet they were crying out with joy. In Luke's gospel, it says this way, he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives and the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And so the, the first response of the crowd was rejoicing, rejoicing. They were rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice. Why? For all the mighty works they had seen. And so they were recalling and remembering in the past and how Jesus had, had healed the sick, right? He had made the, the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. And I think even more pointedly, they were reminded of how he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they began just to shout and praise God, this is him, this must be the Messiah. And here he's coming into Jerusalem, just like what was prophesied in the book of Zechariah. That was one response. Some are rejoicing. And yet, others, others were questioning. Verse 10 says, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? So the people in Jerusalem, outside of the disciples and these Galilean pilgrims, they were confused. They were wondering, who, who is this? We're getting mixed signals here. This is supposed to be a king? He doesn't look like a king. He's coming in on a donkey, not on a horse. And he looks so meek. He's not flexing his might. He's not coming in with regal attire. He's not rich. He looks really, really poor. And so they were confused. They were questioning, well, who is this then? So some were rejoicing, some were questioning, and yet others were resisting and rejecting. And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And so here we have these religious leaders, these scribes and these Pharisees, these people of great importance, and they were bothered by this rejoicing. It was almost like they were saying, hey, hush, tone it down a little bit. You guys are getting a little too excited about this Jesus. And, and he was saying, hey, rebuke your disciples, stop them, they're too loud. They're gonna cause this uprising, right? And the Romans are gonna be mad at us. Jesus says, no, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. 
They're crying out in praise to their king, to their Messiah, to their Lord. And if they don't cry out, even the rocks would cry out because all of creation was made to give praise to its creator and I'm here, I'm the Messiah. And so some were rejoicing, some were questioning, some were resisting, were resisting. And so we see the response of the crowd and now we come to this final scene. Jesus is sobbing over a city. He's coming now into Jerusalem, he's looking out over the landscape of all of the city, and here's his reaction. And Luke's gospel says this, and when he drew near, saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You did not know the time of your visitation. And so I just want you to imagine for a moment, Jesus, crying. There's only one other place in scripture where we see Jesus crying. It's when Lazarus died and Jesus wept. And yet the word here in the original language is different. When Jesus wept, literally tears were streaming down his eyes at Lazarus's death. And yet here, the word for weep is this word of agonizing sobbing. Jesus is is sobbing as he looks over the city. Why? He's saying, if you only knew where real and lasting peace could be found, and you've missed it, I've come to bring you real peace in your heart. And this is a window of opportunity you don't want to miss. He says, and this is the time now of, of your visitation. And I think about it in our life today. Perhaps God is giving us a wake-up call here in our nation, here in our world. He's saying, this is a window of opportunity for you to come to me. Quit looking elsewhere to find peace. Quit looking elsewhere to find salvation. You can only find it in me, Jesus says. Now is the time. Now is the opportunity to come to me. So Jesus, you see his heart here on display. He's, he's sobbing. He wants you to come to him. And today, it's not like he's coming on the back of a donkey into this crowded and chaotic city. No, he's coming right into your life, right into your soul. And he's asking you this question. Do you want real peace? Do you want real peace? If so, here's where you're going to find it. You'll find true peace as you look to the cross. In Isaiah 53, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. It's by his punishment that we can have peace with God, by Christ's death for us on the cross. Him bleeding on our behalf, taking all of our sin that we deserve, all of the punishment we deserve for our sin, Jesus paid it all. He was punished in your place in order that you might have real and lasting peace with God. And it's not only through his death, but also through his resurrection. 
In John 20, it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace, peace be with you. Literally, shalom, shalom. He's come to restore shalom, not just on the outside, but on the inside, in your heart. He's come to give you real, lasting, abiding peace if you would come to him even today. You see, Jesus, he didn't come to condemn you. It says in John chapter three, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So he's coming not to condemn you, but to save you, to give you real and lasting peace. And so what's your response to King Jesus as he's coming into your chaotic and crowded heart today? What's your response? Are you, are you resisting him? If so, why? What's getting in the way of you giving your life to Jesus? Are you wanting control? Are you wanting comfort and trying to pursue that apart from him? Submit your life to him. Give your life to King Jesus. He can rule your life much better than you can. Are you resisting? Are you questioning him? Maybe some of you are just confused. I don't know about who Jesus is. And I encourage you to keep, to keep looking to him and to see him as the king in the scriptures. Go to the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through them during this Easter season and see this king revealed to you and what he's come to do to save you. Some of you are resisting, some of you are questioning, and some of you, I hope, are rejoicing today. You're rejoicing because you've received him. It's what it says in Romans chapter five, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're made right with God by faith, not by our works, but by believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us at the cross. That's how we have peace with God, that's objective peace true and lasting peace in our soul. We're no longer separated from him. You know, I think about this whole social distancing thing. If anyone should be distanced from us, it's God, right? An infinite amount of feet away, not just six feet. We were enemies of God, and yet he came for us. He pursued us in his love and reconciled us to himself through the blood of the cross. And so we can be right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now is the time. Now is your opportunity before, before it's too late. You see, one day, he's not gonna be coming on a donkey. He's gonna be coming on a horse. He's not gonna be coming to make peace, but to make war. Revelation, it says this, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So now is the time, hear me, now is the time to turn from your sin and to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe in him. Hold on to him as the only one who can give you real and lasting peace. And one day, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, one day we're going to experience an eternal Palm Sunday. Look what it says here in Revelation as I close. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with 
palm branches in their hands. Can you imagine it? Can you picture the scene? All of us gathered together, waving our palm branches and celebrating our Savior forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that he came to us humbly on the back of a donkey, declaring that he truly is the Messiah who's come to save us from our sins, who came to die the death we deserved on that cross and to rise again from the grave. And Father, I pray that we would have faith in Jesus alone to trust in him for our salvation and to have true and lasting peace, peace that this world cannot give, but only you can give, peace that's found in Jesus alone. And I pray that we would abide in that peace, knowing that you love us and you care for us. And one day, we'll be with you forever, for all of eternity, giving you praise. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.